Welcome to In the Telling. I'm Stephen G. Forwood. And I'm Miranda Mims, and we are the co-founders of the Nomadic Archivist Project. The Nomadic Archivist Project is excited to announce that we are seeking submissions for an anthology exploring the archival experience across Africa and the African diaspora called The Evidence, Black Archivists Holding Memory. We welcome archivists, artists, curators, historians, memory workers, public record keepers, scholars, and students to participate in this groundbreaking project. If you want to know more about the project, go to our website or check out the links in the show notes. The deadline for submitting a proposal or abstract is December 15th, 2020. On this episode of In the Telling, we'll be speaking with Ajamu, a fine art photographic artist, scholar, archive curator, and radical sex activist with over 25 years of exhibiting in museums, galleries, and alternative spaces worldwide. Ajamu is the co-founder of the award-winning Ruckus Federation, The Ruckus Black LGBTQ Archive, and is a leading specialist on Black queer history, heritage, and cultural memory in the UK. His philosophical, political aesthetic includes portraiture, studio-based constructed imagery, early analog printing processes, and large format photography, which unapologetically celebrates Black queer bodies, the erotic senses, desire, pleasure as activism, and difference. He recently made history by showing the first erect penis on British terrestrial TV in the documentary, Me and My Penis. I want to welcome you today, Ajamu. It's good to have you on the show. How are you feeling? I'm feeling fine. I'm, thank you very much. Hope you're okay. We're okay. We're okay. Yeah. Good to see you. Good to see you. It's great to talk with you about your family after so many years of knowing you, almost two decades. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit today about your family's immigrant experience, starting with your grandparents from Jamaica to Bradford in 1958. Um, can you also talk a little bit about your parents' experience as well? Yes, so basically, so basically uh, my grandparents came around 1958, um, which is um, to a place called Bradford, which is, uh, Bradford is in West Yorkshire, and that's the north of the country. Okay. And so my um, parents then came in 61 to um, Huddersfield, which um, is about 13 miles from Bradford. And so so um, I was born in 1963, when my parents were living in a house at Bass Street, and the house is still there. And so basically I have these um, big memories. Mm-hmm. of um, about six families lived in a massive big house and the house was uh, run by Mr. Mack who uh, sadly died a few years ago so I'm so I'm I'm so I'm yes yeah, so I just feel I think it's probably the 10th largest town in the country I'm large black population I'm it's like one of these towns whereby Everybody knows everybody's. So basically, if you use their toilet at a midnight of a piss, and by 12.15, everybody's heard about it. Was it mostly um, Jamaican communities and families? And so basically, during the 60s, it, it was mainly um, Jamaicans 
Grenadians and and some families from Trinidad, and then actually over the years, I'm I'm and we've seen a lot more I'm larger kind of like African and Asian, and I'm and I'm in part is because like I'm it has one of the main universities in in our damn country is I'm actually in I'm understood itself as a really kind of I'm we've seen the shifts over the last 10, 20, 30 years. Okay. So, yeah. I think my grandparents chose Bradford is because they're probably new people there already. And so basically I'm 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 during that period I'm I've got three, four, five families and we live in one house. It's because actually black people were not getting, you know, bank loans and all of this all all of this and kind of stuff. And then basically they went to where the actual work was. And so basically Bradford Honestly, were large uh, mill towns and really like a key mill towns from um, the 19th century uh, uh, onwards. So then that's where I then went to work. And so my dad worked at um, Black Rock Spinning Company, a mill, um, ICI, and my mother worked at Huddersfield um, Royal Infirmary. And then, and then my two elder sisters were born in Jamaica and then my brothers were born in the UK so basically so my sisters would be what you'd call the send for kids whereby basically parents would then work hard to send for one child work hard to save and then send for the next child so really kind of I'm I'm and then my aunt then who then came to the UK then came to Luton I'm, it's because I'm, that's where I'm, box or car factory was. This is kind of your post-war moment where actually the mother country invited I'm, I'm people from the colonies to come and work and then to build back up the country. I so, so I, that was their contract, sorry, and their context that my grandparents came and then my parents came. Is it I'm, I'm, they had learned all about England and the Queen was still the and the head of state instead of Jamaica. So really kind of I'm that's I'm part of the context. And so, you know, they came to work and and they also then came to I'm no blacks, no dogs, no Irish. So and so then once again I'm I'm on on I'm one hand it was for a rhyme, better life, yeah. And at the same time, it was I uh, no black, no dogs, no Irish. And so really kind of that's the context um, that they um, came in. And so really Bradford um, and was um, one of, of these places up north and that had a long history of the mills, hospitals, um, buses and public transport. So it actually oh basically my parents, grandparents, and then lots of other black families build the jobs that your white workers did not want to do. Right. Almost actually, these are jobs were usually the poorer jobs, basically. Mm-hmm. The shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Right. Kind of. That's the 
and context. And then also then, also, for some of the black families who are then might have then been in terms of their context of their Caribbean middle class, and once they then shifted to the UK, they then came there and then became working class because then they filled those and those dirty court court jobs. And so to be really, um, that's kind of part of the context then, you know, I mean, although we were then born into that. Right. First generation black British born. So what about your um, personal um, migration journey from Huddersfield to Leeds to London? What was that like? What made what made you decide to move? I run away. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm a black kid. It's too small. It was too small. So basically, I'm a black kid. I'm walking around town with my frilly shirts, mascara, tucker boots, you know, into goth <laughs> and punk. Someone like me just did not fit in. That's a really, really, I'm, I'm so, you know, Leeds and I was then kind of the next bigger town. And so Leeds is like 13 miles away. And then I I, 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 I moved to Leeds to to Chapel Town. And then I'm, and then 87, I'm the Black Gamers Conference. And then by 88, I had then left Leeds Kitson College. And then I then moved to London where I I could breathe basically. Because Leeds was then also I'm too small, especially around my queerness. Yeah, not um, around my blackness. And so, really, I think for me, London then was the f- the first time that I was then able to merge these two things. So yeah, you're currently in a, in London, right, Dejana? I I am currently in I'm Brixton, South London. Yeah, okay. And you've been there for how long now? I've I've been in London since I'm the 18th of January 1988. I'm this is my archive head now speaking. (laughs) 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 Days of key. I thought yes. Yeah. The question I had for you in our our, um, conversations before the interview, you stated that your family is a part of your politics, and so I wanted you to talk a little bit about that today because. It's really a powerful thing to kind of consider. I'm so basically I'm I'm so basically I'm I'm I recognize that many black and brown queer folks I'm do not have close ties with their family. Yeah. And so so I'm so I'm for me, my family has always been in my corner around my work. I'm and they come to exhibitions when they can they've been to queer events when they can i'm and i'm so really kind of my thing is i'm i can do what i want it's because those people who i really matter i've always been in my corner and the best action and then those friendships with nieces and nephews great nieces and nephews is then built up decade after decade after decade so that actually so, so, and and because then and they know my work and they know my friends, they're center and and they're central to how I try and build networks. Mm-hmm. 
um, community either because um, my parents were key to that my grandparents I was key to that I was really kind of I'm I'm a lot of my work is built around around extension of my family yeah and the archive work really really the first archive that I stepped into was my mom's front room it's because you know my mom then kept everything I said so and so I, while I, there was no order or structure, there was also some order and structure, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And so really, really, and so really kind of the, the front room is in my template for the archive and work. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and then the thing with my mom's front room is I, every time I bring friends up to meet my mom, right, yeah, and she tells stories again and again and again and then also she also adds these new bits of story <laughs> and so then once again that for me is i'm a part of the work because actually and there's always something else to learn mm-hmm. within the family about the front room and then these objects and so really i'm that's why they're key to how i engage in the world mm-hmm. it's central really i'm it's central it really is so is it this front room that you're talking about ajamu this is a physical space the front room is at my mom's front room yeah okay, the front room of her home yeah yeah yes yeah, so basically every Car- caribbean family would have a front room in some shape or some form right yeah right mm-hmm. And the front room... A welcoming space. Typically used as a welcoming space or... No, so basically the... the, the and the front room kind of kept photographs and all kinds of stuff. And, but then also, it was then reserved for certain kinds of people. Right, yeah? Right, right. Mm-hmm. And actually, the actual kind of, kind of Caribbean front room really is an extension of the gentleman's parlor room whereby... It was then the reserve of men, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and the front room is that same kind of space. And so, so I'm, so I'm, and so basically, as as you know, family gatherings. And I mean, you know, I'm between my mom, my sister, and my uncle. They were kept in the front room, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And yeah, I'm insurance man, the front room, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. And so I'm years ago. I actually remember a cousin saying, actually, she's now old enough to be in the front room. Right. Because actually, it's this interesting space. And actually, I'm, it's a big people. I'm <laughs> <laughs> so really, okay. it's that kind of space. I said, my mom, my aunts kept everything. Everything was kept. And... Mm-hmm. I saw basically there's some questionable images of me growing up still on display in my most front room. And there's a picture of me at I'm 18 in my leather cap, a little dog collar thing, still in the front room. <laughs> so really kind of everything is kept. Everything is kept somehow um, on the walls in grips, in boxes. 
You reminded me, you're making me think of a museum space. You know, yes. That you yes. revisit an archival museum space. I would, I would, yes. Yes, so the, 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 the front room is that space. Right. Is that space, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for explaining that, yeah, because now I can really visualize and, and put myself there. There was a wonderful project by Michael McMillan called The West Indian Living Room. Yes. And basically, that just installs that space, yeah. We saw that when we were um, in Amsterdam. Yes. We yeah, we saw it in Amsterdam, right? In 19, excuse me, in 2008. 2008. 2008. I'm, I'm, it was the exhibition space in the Belma. And that's mm -hmm. where we the, um, that project, yes. So, Jama, you said that you attended the Black Gay Men's Conference in 1987 in London. Um, yeah. You mentioned that you found family at that experience that resembles the template uh, your family set forth. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, yeah, so basically, I, I saw the Black Gay Men's Conference was the first national uh, Black Gay Men's Conference in the UK and the only one to date. Um, and so um, there was about 70... Black gay and bisexual men from from um, over the UK, um, London, live, 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 Liverpool, Manchester, Leeds, Bristol, uh, and who I came and try to talk about being black, being queer, health and HIV history, and mm -hmm. heritage. I and I for me this was the first time that I had met more than for black gay men. Yeah. Mm. And so really, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, uh, and, and so I'm really, it was kind of one of those kind of life changing moments mm -hmm. um, whereby I actually kind of no longer felt isolated. Yeah. And so, so I'm, so I'm, I was, I was in Leeds living with my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. At the time, my white girlfriend called Beth from Groomsby. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And and so, uh, and so I came, 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 and came to the conference, being totally blown away. And then by the January '88, I'd moved to London. It was basically it. I was just one. It was just just one of those life changing moments. And then. I cannot remember what I was feeling at that time, and I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I, I think for me, I, you, I never know that a moment is life changing until you have gone through the moment. And so, actually, afterwards, I can reflect back and say, "Well, actually, wow, this was a groundbreaking moment for me." And then also, key to this moment was, you know, Dergar Richards. I'm. Who is um, one of my role models, and someone who I love dearly, then also gave me a copy of In the Life, and I'm the Black Gay Men's Anthology, and which I came out the year before. And so, oh, I'm now, I, I was then now accessing literature <laughs> by Black Gay Men. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so really, so and and so really kind of. It was just kind of, kind of um, I, I mean, a lot of things happening around being gay, 
around photography. I'm I'm so really I'm sorry the I'm I'm so the September and there was an event I'm um, led by Maud Salter. Mm-hmm. And the event was around black photography. And so I'm so I'm that happened and then the October then I came across around portfolio of work by Rotate Finally Coyote in Gay Time. Yeah. So then that was happening. And then this point then I was then learning photography and then having these tensions with my lecturer. Right, yeah. His I think was technique and then I had this vague idea. And that, you know, but but photography had to do some some and some and some kind of social and cultural work. It's it's got to do something political. And then my I just was quite naive then, right? Yeah, right. And then my lecturer then says also, actually, I think you should leave the course and then go to London and then follow this thing that you think photography is, right? And then he and then gave me two books as presents. Camera Lucida by Roller Bart yeah. and Black Skin White Mask by Franz Fanon, right? And I'm like, well, I want you know, thanks very much, but what does this mean? <laughs> basically, <laughs> because basically, I have no idea. I'm, and then, you know, years later, I'm like, ah, oh, okay. That's what he was saying to me. And so, so basically, I know there's so much happening at this moment via photography and sexuality and race and the conference and in this our lives and da 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 It was like, okay. And then London then pushes even further. Right. You were, um, early on you were talking about, you and I have also have many numerous conversations about family, about our art, about our connection, our transatlantic connection in terms of black queer organizing politics and what i love is that you told me that you celebrate your black family that you have to build those relationships decade after decade and you talked about you know how it even passed down or passes down to your nieces and nephews talk about that i'm this idea celebrating well i'm i'm i think for me it takes work to maintain any kind of relationship decade after decade. Yeah, right. And then because my family is key, it's very important that as their uncle or brother or sister, I'm not over there somewhere. I am front and center in the family. Yeah, right. And so, and so really, and, and then because then I'm, I am kind of out and queer, when I, some of my nieces and nephews want to do something slightly out of the know, out of the other way, they might ask my brothers first, and then they might ask, ask grandma, their mom, and then it's our uncle. What do you think about this? <laughs> and the best, the uncle will say, "Well, you know, I think da 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 da." I also really kind of southern. I I really enjoy the fact that some of them will come to me because I think differently also. Yeah, right. And then they love the fact that actually their uncle 
was on TV recently talking about penises and showing work. And so we actually, I am then the only artist in terms of the whole family. That intrigues them. It's because actually my life's, my life is very different than theirs on so many levels. And so really, really, and we have just get to talk about all kinds of stuff. Hmm. All kinds of stuff. And so really, I'm, and so really, I'm, for me, it's very key that my family is not separate from my queer family. Yeah, right? Whereby too often, there are these separations for lots of different reasons. I saw, I'm, for me, some of my friends are not strangers to my mom or all my siblings, even with some of my ex-lovers, right, yeah, right? I mean, uh, I still might get a text from mom saying, hi, how are you doing? And then there's times I speak to ex-lovers, oh, I've just spoken with your mom last week. And so really, for me, it's then those, those other kinds of relationships that I've also built over time as well is a very key and central. I like what you're saying, because it also, not only does it, you know, bridge your your families together, but it also helps other people build, build to their families. And they're, you know, the people who are looking out for them and care about them. Yes, yes. And checking on them, even if the two of you are no longer connected in that yes, way. Yes, and then, and for me, the one thing that I love about my family and with lots of other black families is that it challenges the myth that somehow black families are more homophobic and so actually yeah. my thing will always be actually when we are then here the, the voices of our parents our aunts and uncles and siblings and cousins right here it will then skewer the narrative that we hear about black families right yeah mm-hmm. and really really for me i'm i'm my family um, does that kind of work, right, yeah? And then because then I then know that if I'm not in their space and then they hear something homophobic of it, they will challenge it, <laughs> right, yeah? <laughs> so then, so then actually, that's why I'm cool. I'm Because, you know, they are in my corner, whether I'm there or not. Right. And so really, for me, it's just how do we always question the tired stereotypes about what black families are supposed to be like, especially mm. for those of us who are identified as being queer. So I mean, actually, that's why I just take that template into my work. I said, well, actually, this is what I've learned into the, my family. And right. then this is then my activism is then informed by these values, these principles, and these ways of relating. And it's actually, even if we then don't, don't agree on things, we don't fall out and do all that kind of stuff. And so really, that for me is a template for my work as an activist. And do you attribute these values to things that your mother passed down or instilled in you? It's my mother, my father, my grandmother. <laughs> Basically, I'm, 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 for lots of my friends, and they've never had the experience of their grandparents being in the country that they were born in, yeah, mm. right. And then because I am had my, I'm grandmother and grandfather on my mom's side here, 
whether my grandfather on my dad's side was here also, is isn't what they brought from Jamaica, and that we are then brought up in that kind of a narrative or a story that's around values and respect and so on and so forth. And so it's key. It's it's key, really. Um, yeah. Pretty awesome. Um, it's a very, um, it feels like a story that you could tell for the ages and in different ways throughout, not simply answering the idea of homophobia is more prevalent in black families, but just how they're, how they shape even your um, artistic style, how you connect with people and build, you know, taking those skill sets out into the world of those, those inherit, you know, you inherited those things. That's quite beautiful. And yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so. Oh, basically, for me, what I always come back to into the people who I meet is, I mean, what are your values and then what are your principles? Right. And then actually, that's my starting point. As of, you know, you being black or queer or whatever, okay, fine, great, but I don't know, what do you, what's your value system? Right, because that's an identity. It's different right. than your values. Yes, 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 yes really. For me, it's in those things that's far more deeper and richer than this thing called identity, right? Yeah. Right. right. Agreed. Really, it's in those values. I'm. 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 That's been instilled. And you know, even if I'm, I'm, I go home. I actually re- remember a few years ago. I'm. I'm. If I see or I'm elder, I will still say. How are you, Mr. So-and-so? How are you, Mr. So-and-so? I still do that and that kind of thing because I know damn well if I didn't by the time I leave town, I then <laughs> go up to my mom's house, my mom would hear about it. Right. And I, 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 I know she would then, then say, you weren't brought, brought up that way, right? Yeah. And the best thing, even if I then go into, even now, into around elder's house, right? Yeah. I will stand up until they say sit down, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> because then that's that's what I've been taught and learned, and then that makes sense to me. <laughs> right. Well, it was a pleasure having the chance to talk with you today, Ajamu. Thank you for joining us on in the talent.